Hello and welcome. You're listening to Jot That Down. I'm Chloe. I'm Alex. And I'm Haley. And we're providing you with knowledge that you're not asking for. This week, we are talking about toxic masculinity. I need to know if this is offensive, but I thought it'd be really funny. Oh, God. But please let me know because I I don't know if this is tone deaf, but in the theme of this episode, for us us to put a trigger warning for men. Oh, Oh, I love that. I'm like... Mm, for this any, may hurt your egos. This may hurt your ego. Like, I think that would be really fun. But also, like, is that rude? I don't know. I don't know. Also, our demographics, <laughs> there's no men. <laughs> That's <laughs> so true. Do you want to start, Haley? <laughs> I was going to say, I know I always avoid starting, but if no one wants to start, I will start because I know I haven't. Yeah, go for it. Sure. Okay. Do, since I've been listening to a lot of smart lists, does anyone want to take any guesses as to what topics specifically I might be talking about? You don't have to. And I mean, we can talk about anything because toxic masculinity is everywhere and it's ubiquitous. With what? I don't know. Ubiquitous with what? (laughs) Ubiquitous. It means it's everywhere. Oh, great. Let's get a definition. I'm going to ubic. (laughs) Ubic. Um, Okay. Present, appearing, or found everywhere. Thank you. Okay. Thank you for. I I stand corrected. Okay. Can you give us like a a range of things we can guess? Because I feel like our guess could be anything thank you so much so the range is 1940 to 1960 <laughs> <laughs> um is it like old hollywood old what like old hollywood toxic masculinity i don't know what that no. has to do with smart is it toxic masculinity in the godfather <sighs> it might be Wow, that would be a good Apollonia? one. Apollonia? May she rest in peace, says, really because the me. car blew up. <laughs> no! <laughs> no! Too soon. Um, does it have to do with, like, World War II? Ding, ding, ding! <laughs> Haley, pop quiz. What year did World War II end? Oh, this is so hard for me. <laughs> Wait, are you talking 44? about Hitler? 45? No, I'm not talking about Hitler, but, I mean, that's okay. a perfect example. Yeah. Um, are you going to talk about Hitler? Um, no. Okay. <laughs> Thank you for <clears throat> confusing us all. Okay, go, go ahead, Haley. Both of these incidences or points in history happened in real life, obviously, but they were inspired by movies. Two of the best historical movies, in my opinion. And the first one, A League of Their Own. Never Have you guys seen it? Seen it? <gasps> Never even heard of it. I can't tell if you're kidding. You haven't heard of it at all? I don't think so. Oh, okay. (laughs) (laughs) This might take a little bit longer. So, uh, okay. So, during World War II, as we all know, so many men went off to war Young, old, they would take literally anyone. And this was the time for women to obviously, like, leave their roles in the household and become, like, 
super important figures in society. And they were completely capable of doing this the whole time, but obviously World War II presented a place for them to actually be considered for these jobs. And A League of Their Own is basically, it's based on a a real thing. But during World War II, um, Major League Baseball, like the owners of these major, major League Baseball teams were concerned about the future of baseball because all of these men were being shipped off to war. And they're like, okay, what are we going to do with all of these teams? We don't know how long this is going to last for. What, Chol? <laughs> she sent a Snapchat, and I know oh it's God. of me. It's of Alex. Whenever you talk, she looks. Yeah, yeah, always <laughs> Alex on her phone. You see it. <laughs> okay, awesome. I was looking up A League of Their Own, and I do know it, and I've probably seen it. So you probably have. Don't. Tom Hanks. Literally Chol, don't. Yeah, Rosie O'Donnell. Ugh. Gina Davis. What? Where's the Madonna. Um, anyway, anyway, so obviously all these owners were concerned for the future of baseball, and they decided to come up with the All-American Girls Professional Baseball League. And so softball was obviously a thing at this time, but people weren't going to watch softball games. They were obviously watching baseball games. And so the owner of you might have to edit this out the owner of the chicago cubs philip wrigley from like wrigley gum and all of that whatever it like is. wrigley stadium in chicago yeah and also that i mm. guess i don't even know if it's wrigley gum i'm gonna have to fact check that <laughs> wrigley field sorry wrigley field oh yes yes um so he came up with the idea to create this league because he obviously needed money to come in all of his men were off to war and so he created this league but the things that these women had to go through in order to be even like, even to receive half the amount of respect as male baseball players was truly insane. Like these women were so good at what they did and they brought entertainment back into the industry. They bought, they brought happiness back. Like they did everything because these men were off to war. And this movie um, shows, I think there were four, maybe five teams and it mostly shows you the Rockford Peaches from Illinois. But all these women were recruited to play. They barely made any money, but they would do it because they didn't have anything else to do. It was World War II and they needed jobs. So they came up with the idea to essentially change the rules of softball a little bit to make it seem like it was baseball whether it was like moving like the pitcher's mounds a little bit further or lengthening like the bats, whatever it was, it was still softball, but they were calling it baseball because they wanted to attract all of these men to come and watch. And these women were literally expected to play the game for one. They had to wear skirts. They had to have their hair a certain length. They had to look pretty. They had to go to charm school. They had to be literally everything and also be athletes full-time like they imagine just running and playing baseball and sliding into a mound and just fucking scraping the shit out of your legs because you had to wear a skirt it's truly insane and they wanted this because they wanted these model-esque figures to be the faces of this american baseball league because they obviously wanted men to show up or anyone to show up so they could make money And these women were super talented and I just feel like they were just exploited for their looks because that's what our country is and always has been, but truly fascinating. This whole thing truly kills me. I really want you to watch the movie. Um, because on Netflix? 
Mm, no, it might be on Amazon. Mm. But these women were like so good at what they did and they had to be perfect at the same time because they were in the spotlight. And I don't know all of the historical accuracies with this, but when the war ended, some women, and I mean, I'm literally thinking of Gina Davis in this movie, but like her husband came back from war and then she had this conflict where she's like, do I keep playing? Do I become a homemaker? Like, what do I do? And that just shows of everything that happened when the war when the war ended because these women were the backbone of our society at the time they were doing everything whether it was in the military whether it was back at home doing civilian jobs like the majority of the population was trying to keep our country together and it just goes to show that like world war ii did bring opportunities for women to finally get into the workforce and be respected but they had to work so much harder and were still underpaid and they didn't get as much respect. And yes, it opened doors, but it also, I feel like when men returned back, there was still a huge divide between men and women. I have a clarifying question. Mm -hmm. Did they voluntarily do this or was it? Yes. So like the women signed up to like participate in this Mm -hmm. in the way that you're describing. Yes. I don't think that they knew everything they were signing up for. They were told, like they did tryouts. And I think it said there were 300 people that showed up to Wrigley Field. Um, and then they were split. Oh yeah. Of those 60 were chosen to play on four teams. I can read those teams. The Kenosha Comets, Racine Bells, Rockford Peaches, which is Gina Davis's team and the South Bend Blue Sox. Um, and 60 were chosen to play on that. So it was literally just these four teams playing each other all the time. They did sign up for it. They tried out, but I don't know if they knew when they were going into it that they would have to wear the skirts, the makeup, have their hair perfect, pose for all of these photos, be subjected by men. Like these women just wanted to play softball, baseball, And they had to go through so much to do it. But obviously, it was, like, a huge stepping stone for women in sports. But still. How long did the program last? Let's see. I think it ended – I'm going to pull it up here. 43 to 54. That's a long time. It is a long time. And I think it probably didn't last as long because when the men came back from war, they obviously – people still felt like they would rather watch men's baseball. Um. And there weren't nearly as much teams to play against each other. But still, truly, women are incredible. Men are trash. We all know this. (laughs) Um, And this is a segue. Does anyone have any questions? No. I think so. Okay. This is a segue because this is kind of like the aftermath, kind of paves the way for women, I guess. Anyway, I'm talking about... The Real Life Hidden Figures. Have you guys seen this movie? <gasps> yes. I have not. It's on Disney Plus. I need you to. watch it. I will. We should Netflix party it. I okay, well, don't, don't do this now. Okay. <laughs> Just kidding. About? Yeah. Okay. <laughs> Just go. So, Alex, you really should watch this. It's truly an incredible movie, but obviously these were based on real women. Um, the three women that the movie portrays are – Mary Jackson, Katherine Johnson, and Dorothy Vaughn. So again, after World War II, it opened a lot of doors for women to take these high positions in society. And in the 1960s, 
this is going to sound controversial. I don't understand the space race. I don't understand why we needed to like be the first ones over Russia and that it was like this huge thing, but I don't know. Do you guys get it? No, I don't okay. either. Do you want I me just, to look into it? It's oh, just no, no, like, no. I think the competitive I, I, nature of science. I, like I get it. I just don't get why it was so important. Like, and I mean, maybe because it was the cold war and everyone's like, we need to show our dominance, but that's just another point of toxic masculinity. Mm. I could go on and on. <laughs> anyway, these three women, like hidden figures is based on a true story, but these three women portrayed were actually just like the tip of the iceberg. And there were so many black female, um, employees at NASA, like who did so many things. These I'm talking about human computers. Like they had so much less technology in the 1960s. Like I can't even compare it to anything. Someone said like a toaster has more technology than the technology they had, like putting astronauts into space in the 1960s. I don't know if that's a real comparison, but still. So these women were human computers in order to get the United States into orbit. And obviously we were competing with Russia and it was like this huge deal. Um, And in the movie specifically, they touch upon this. Not only were these women dealing with the issues of segregation during a very like pivotal time in U.S. history, because we're talking about the civil rights movement and equal rights for women. So they had both of these obstacles that they had to face, especially with men in the workforce. And these women were so pivotal to our NASA, whatever company system, whatever it was. I'm going to sound so stupid when I say this. And they would do like all these experiments and flight tests. And one of the main characters is Katherine Johnson. And she literally... I can't emphasize enough how much the math she did in this movie, how much it hurt my brain. She was the engineer behind like so many different missions, getting these white men to space. And at the same time, she was important at her job, but she would probably go home and face all of these issues in society because she's a black female and it's just it's truly insane and then i also found out that the story of these hidden figures didn't come out until so late because people straight up didn't know what was going on like no one was talking about it especially people from nasa at the time people knew what was going on because i guess there were a lot of black female americans working for nasa who could do all of these crazy mathematical equations and engineering and all of these tests, whatever. But it didn't come out until very recently because no one was talking about it because all of these white men were benefiting by all of the hard work of these women. And it's just, it's truly insane. I just, I highly recommend this movie. Um, But it just goes to show that NASA obviously benefited from all of these women working for them and i don't know how accurate the movie is to segregation specifically but obviously we know that there were separate bathrooms for black people and white people in real life and they did depict that in the movie but it does really annoy me because i had to google this and um kevin costner is in the movie and he plays like one of the main guys like one of the main bosses 
And it really pisses me off because I know they made this just for the cinematic moment, but like there's a scene where he takes off a colored bathroom sign and he like hits it down from the wall, whatever. That never happened. Never did. Mm -hmm. I had to Google it because I was like, that's an incredible story. Why aren't people talking about this? On top of not talking about all these women. Yeah, it just straight up wasn't true. So I don't know how accurate the movie is to all of the real issues that were going on in the world, but it's truly incredible. And I can't believe it didn't come out until um, someone wrote a book about it and then someone adapted it to film. That is crazy. Yep. And I just recently read NASA renames DC headquarters for hidden figure scientists. Oh, they named it for Mary Jackson. Aww. I love that. I totally thought it was Katherine Johnson, but I think something else was erected in her honor because, I mean, these women were amazing. And again, they were just the tip of the iceberg. There were so many women who worked for NASA and who didn't get their recognition until decades later. It's devastating. And these ones are in the spotlight and we don't even know the names. I mean, obviously we know them, but like, right. They're not like household names or anything. Exactly. So many of these women. It says Jackson, who worked at NASA for 34 years, was NASA's first African-American female engineer and one of the barrier breaking inspirations for the book Hidden Figures. She died in 2005 at the age of 83. And I mean, these women paved the way for everyone. And I just, I can't get over how men were just trying to hide it. Also, okay, I don't know. I'm definitely going on a tangent, but I was talking to my parents about this and I'm like, okay, guys, the topic of the week is toxic masculinity. What do you got for me? And they were like, I don't know, like literally anything. And then I was talking about (laughs) any war ever, basically. And I was thinking about this and it might be a stretch, but Another instance I was thinking about is why the British lost the Revolutionary War because they were, like, so stupid and they decided that the best motive would to be standing in an open field and just getting shot at. Because, like, they were, like, these honorable gentlemen and they would fight like men and not, like, I think they called everyone savages. I don't know. But they literally had no war tactics. And I don't know if it's toxic masculinity. I don't know if it's just stupidity, but they just that's more stupidity. Shot down. Stupidity, but also I feel like there's an element of like their pride getting in the way. Yes, in which case I think it's toxic masculinity. It's a mix. I think it is a mix because like literally they had no tactic and they just poopery. And oh my god! And what kills me (laughs) is they wanted to be (laughs) zone. What also kills me is that they decided to have little drummer boys. Like, not only are we going to stand in an open field, but we are going to let the enemy know that we are here. Like, (laughs) hear me drum. That's interesting. Oh, my God. It kills me. Anyway, sorry. That's how I I also, like, obviously picked my topic. But then I was listening to Fresh Air, which is Terry Gross on NPR. Mm -hmm. And she had this really interesting segment. Um, last weekend about working moms and how the pandemic is affecting women specifically more than men. Mm -hmm. And in a lot of her conversations that she had with women, it was like, and this obviously is a generalization. And I know that this is not true about every man, but it was like, it was like, oh, my husband thinks, you know, if he unloads the dishwasher, that's his one contribution of the day and I'm raising two kids and working full time. Like it was really interesting to hear how women are giving up 
their careers and almost going backwards now because of this, because men are expected to continue working and women are expected to keep the household running, like teaching kids on Zoom, like getting everyone, you know, fed during the day, doing all the like housework and also working full time. It's just like not possible. That is so sad. And I never thought about it. Like this could actually be a huge shift in our culture. Mm-hmm. And maybe yeah. I didn't think about it because we're living in it and you don't really think at the moment. But that's so sad. Yeah, I know. Really also, also, there's – I don't remember the statistics exactly, but, like, obviously there's been an increase in job loss during the pandemic. Um, but as things have gone along, a lot of the jobs – not a lot, but, like, a good amount of the jobs have um, been recovered. But basically all of them are, like, jobs held by men. Mm-hmm. So a lot of the ones that are still lost due to the pandemic are all, like, jobs that women had and now – they don't. Oh my God. And they were saying like a lot of women have had to give up their jobs because mm-hmm. like their husbands just don't want to give up theirs. Mm-hmm. And I think, I don't know. And like, I never realized how crazy expensive daycare can be, but like for some people, it's literally a better option for most presumably a woman to quit her job than to pay for full-time daycare. Yeah. Yeah, Like sometimes it can be children, right. Sometimes it can be that expensive. And in most circumstances, the woman is going to quit. Like how sad is that? Yeah. It's terrible. It was like so sad. And then I follow the New York times parenting Instagram, even though I don't have any children. Um, (laughs) and (laughs) well, they, they give like really insightful because they talk a lot about like societal, like parenting forms, which I find really fascinating. Um, because I do think we're kind of going backwards where women are still expected to like do all these things. Anyway, they posted about um, how the pandemic is affecting working moms. And I was just like, I hate this for women. Like Mm -hmm. it's, and it's not like all men don't help out, but I think overall, like one of the statistics Terry Gross talked about was like, you know, out of a hundred women who were asked if their husbands contribute, 90% said they did not. And then when a hundred men were asked, like 80% of them said they did contribute. So she was like, something's got to give because (laughs) there's a disconnect that like, there's just no way. I also can't imagine this is like, what made me think of this is imagine being with your partner for however long and then being put in a situation where you are just completely on opposite ends of the spectrum. I think about this when I think about people in a relationship where one person like supported Trump and one person hated him. Imagine being with someone for so long and then not realizing their views on like things so divisive like that. And that's the same thing. Like imagine working from home where you've never had to do it before you and your husband. And then you realize he's a piece of shit and doesn't help out. at all. I lived in DC during that election cycle. Like I left DC in 2018 yeah, 2018. And there was a couple at my gym who were married and they got divorced after the election because she did not know that he was a conservative. And 
we all were like so fascinated by it because they would still take classes together and we were always like watching them. It was so, no. it was so interesting. Like she talked about how, does that how not come up. I honestly don't know. Like that does not make sense to me. Yeah. I don't I'm get so it. Muted. I mean, think about it. Like you, I mean, who would have fucking thought the world's biggest D bag was going to run for office? Like, and I win and want and win. But yeah. that's the thing is like, our political system is so polarized that you could know that your significant other is a conservative and maybe it wouldn't necessarily bring up problems until they're like, absolutely. I will only vote for a conservative. And then they vote for Trump. Mm -hmm. Like we can't tell the future, but I guess what we got to ask our future spouses are, okay, in a situation like this, what the fuck (laughs) would you do? (laughs) Yeah. But anyway, okay, so that was not my topic. Sorry. (laughs) But, Alex, is it okay if I go? Yes, it is. Okay, so I am covering the ever-controversial Justin Timberlake, who I personally did not know was all that controversial until I watched the Framing Britney Spears documentary on Hulu recently. And I started doing some research, and I am – very disgusted and honestly shocked that like people still love him as much as they do. Um, so I'm going to go through five like small topics. So the first one, uh, thank you. Bye, 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 bye. (laughs) JT. (laughs) Also feel free to like ask questions if you have them. I don't know if I'll have answers, but okay, here we go. So the first one is obviously Justin and Brittany, which is like where I got the inspiration to do this. So they were sort of the first like it couple of like the youths, like they had met on the Mickey Mouse clubhouse. Like they were both there and then they both, he was in NSYNC and she became the icon that she is, Britney Spears. And they dated for three years. They broke up in 2002. And I learned a lot watching the documentary that I didn't know as a child, like as a kid, I was not allowed to listen to Britney Spears because she was too provocative. And like (laughs) now seeing as it, seeing it as an adult, I'm like, Oh my God, I had no idea this was happening as a kid. Like it's insane to watch as an adult, but anyway, so they break up in 2002 and he goes solo and leaves in sync and wants to become a solo artist. And she continues to do her own thing. So the documentary features two like big moments following their split. And the first one is when he releases Cry Me a River, which was his first like solo drop. Um, And there's a combination of a Britney Spears lookalike naked in the shower where you see her from the back and it like looks like Britney's haircut and like same height and all that stuff. And then the lyric is, quote, it wasn't like you only talked to him end quote, which made it seem like Britney Spears cheated on him. So they break up. It's like this whole thing. The video comes out. Like I said, um, Britney Spears was like known for being sort of provocative, which I don't honestly think was like her own decision. I think like her agents and like, like her manager and whatever, they dressed her that way. Like, I don't think she had a choice, but the media played it up and took Justin's side and made it seem like she was the bad guy. So everyone was like, she cheated and like, we're on Justin's side. Then he starts to talk about having sex with her. 
which if you know, like young Britney Spears, she was saving herself for marriage and was very vocal about how she did not plan to have sex or have sex until she was going to be married to someone. So then he goes on the radio and is asked, did you fuck Britney Spears? And he says, okay, I did it. And then he is interviewed by Barbara Walters in a very famous interview, which I watched. And he is asked by her if they saved themselves for marriage. And he jokingly laughs and says, sure. So that was just disgusting. And then Twitter basically erupted after this documentary dropped, which I loved. Like they were like, you're a ramen haired douchebag. You're a man, baby. <laughs> you're straight white trash, like all this stuff, which I love. <clears throat> so then in 2008, six years after they break up, he inducts Madonna into the rock and roll hall of fame and uses it as an opportunity to jab at Britney. And he says, the world has always been full of Madonna wannabes. I might have even dated a couple. And I think that's so weird and random, like six years later, move on. And also why, like, why do you have to bring it up and drag her? It just seems like very odd. And because he knows that if he keeps bringing it up, people are going to feel that same sense of like, oh, remember when we were team Justin? Like, what the fuck? He literally yeah. gets off on it every chance he can. I totally agree. So I actually missed one. So in 2006, four years after their breakup, he's dating Cameron Diaz and he has an album to promote and he brings up Britney again, um, like in promotion of the album, which is like, so it's so weird to me. He definitely, I agree. He like gets off on it. Then in 2013, 11 years after they break up, he gives a speech and says, sometimes in life you think you find the one and then you find out she's just a bitch. Like, excuse me? No. That sounds Absol like, a, is that an office quote? It sounds like something Michael Scott would say, and I don't mean this in a good way. Like, I honestly don't know. <laughs> is he fucking but like, joking? I know. Ugh. So then finally in um, 2016, 14 years after they break up, he still puts Britney on blast in Vogue Italia, where he is asked if he needed to be depressed or tormented in order to write a good song like Cry Me a River. And he says, it depends. In the past, suffering helped me to compose songs. Cry Me a River was written in a time of pain, like everyone knows what happened. So to me, this Britney thing seems like he just brings her up whenever he is irrelevant or like his career has like nothing really happening and he just wants to be in the media. Um, I cannot confirm that obviously, but to me, it just seems like super sketchy and I'm kind of like, move on. It's like a 35 year old woman talking about their high school boyfriend. You know what I mean? Like right. you were 18, yeah. like get over it. And also like he has dated so many people since then. Like, I don't yeah. get in which part did he, did he grow up? Did he not at all? I just, I think it's because the relationship was so public and they're obviously both like famous people that it like, because they are so relevant, that relationship was relevant and he can keep bringing it up because like people will relate to it and like stick up for him more. <sighs> so fucking dramatic. Yeah. Um, okay. So number two is what I'm calling nipple gate. 
Mm-hmm. Um, and this is when him and Janet Jackson perform at the Super Bowl, and there's the incident where they're dancing and her nipple is then exposed, which some people say was an accident. Some people say it was planned. I personally don't know. To me, it sort of seems like it was planned, but like, what the fuck do I know? So then he issues an apology. And she has never been asked to return to a Super Bowl. And she was then banned from attending the Grammys in 2004. But he was invited and also won two awards, which Mm -hmm. I think is toxic masculinity, like at its finest. I did not know that. Because he's the one who like ripped off her bra. Yeah, did she rip off her own bra? No. No. It's just how women are held to such a different standard than men. Just despicable. It is. But so expected. So the third one is when he cheated on Jessica Biel, his wife, who was pregnant while he was filming a movie in New Orleans. He was caught holding hands with his co-star from Palmer, which I is that the movie that just came out? Wait a second. I think so, yeah. I, I watched Palmer. Okay. The, on okay. Apple TV. To be fair, I watched Palmer before the Free Britney came out. I mean but- – you're allowed to I watch just didn't it. know. I thought it was going to be like a good movie where like there's nothing to watch. But now I'm like, which co-star was with Palmer? Because her name is Alicia Wainwright. Alicia Wainwright. Um, okay. So anyway, they got caught by the paps, like oh, sitting on this no. balcony holding hands. <laughs> and he gave an apology, which was extremely lackluster in my own opinion, where he says he, quote, had a lapse in judgment. And it's like, okay. Your wife is pregnant at home with your second child. You're traveling for a movie and you're holding someone's hand and like we're expected to think that's all that's happening. Like that's fucking not okay. That is so bad. I know. Yeah. She is from Palmer. I just said that. I know. I know. I know. I had to, I had to look because I was like, which, I was like, which girl from Palmer? Oh. Because I thought you meant the other girl that I was thinking of. And I was like, not the girl from Ted Lasso. I was nervous. Mm. Wait, what girl from Ted Lasso? The blonde girl who is the friend. Oh, the one that I didn't like and then I did. Yeah. 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 Wait, the one. Yes. Keely. So, yeah. So that Mm. is, I, I, I was really hoping that Jessica Biel would be like, goodbye, because she deserves better. Right. Yeah. Okay, so then number four is when he dedicates his hashtag times up post, which oh was, I believe, for the Grammys. It was one of the award shows. I should have looked up which one it was. And everyone was posting hashtag why we wear black. Um, and like everybody wore black to this award show in solidarity of times up and the me too movement and he dedicates his instagram post to quote his hot wife which it's like read the room that is essentially like you're objectifying okay like yes you're married to her but like you're objectifying her based on her physical appearance when the whole point of that like movement i mean not the whole point but like one of the points is that women are more than right their- their bodies, like their people. I don't know. That's so bad. I didn't know he did that. Yes. Um, okay. So finally my last one, which I also didn't know is when Justin kissed Jessica Simpson to win a bet. So she goes on a late night show and she says, quote, I knew Justin Timberlake very well. 
after my divorce, he was out of a relationship and he was at my house and we shared a nostalgic kiss. And I thought, oh, this is interesting. But then he takes out his phone and starts typing. Apparently, him and Ryan Gosling had a bet on who would kiss me first when they were 12 years old. So he texted Ryan to tell him that he won the bet, end quote. Like, literally insane. Ew. Like, you're a grown-ass man. I don't get it. It's just toxic. Like, that is creepy. That's, like, creepy behavior. Mm -hmm. Fucking hate that so much. Yeah, but I'm glad oh you liked Palmer. God. So, <laughs> what? Okay. So this is the thing. It it was a very good movie, um, but what made me think is that in the movie, so it's like this ex-con Justin Timberlake, and he finds himself having like a really close relationship with his next door neighbor, and it's like this little. I think he's like 12 years old. It's this little boy who likes to dress up in girls' clothes and play with dolls. And that's just what he likes, whatever it is. And he, Justin Timberlake tweeted about, I am so appreciative to be called an LGBTQ plus ally. Like I am a proud member, whatever it was. Mm -hmm. And people were like, okay, show us the fucking receipts. When have you ever spoken out on any of your platforms about being an ally? And like, he was just (laughs) trying to like, spin it in a way that this movie was so pivotal for him and how he was such an ally to this kid and like growing up and like being different than everyone else. And I'm like, what? Yeah. In one of the Buzzfeed articles I read to do my research, um, they talked about that and how he like claimed he was an ally. And then he also did something, um, where he hosted like after Prince died, he had a hologram of Prince at like some show that he hosted, even oh. though Prince had said that holograms were disrespectful and people like shamed Justin Timberlake for doing that because like Prince's views were known on it. And then Justin Timberlake hosted like a black music event. Oh my God. And everyone was like, why are you doing this? Like, this is not your area. Also, <laughs> Okay, he's done so many things at this point. I recently watched an old video. He was on Ellen with SZA and – is that how you say it, SZA? Mm-hmm. Who? Yeah. Justin Timberlake. She's – oh, she's oh, a singer. SZA? Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> what? Hmm. I we all watched to her. Video, I just don't way. know. <laughs> what is this? Oh, we all watched the video. Yes, where he was yeah. like talking over – SCA. And he was talking over her and people were like, you're literally appropriating how she speaks. And you're interrupting her. And that's yeah, he was like talking in a black scent. Yes. Yeah. Trash. Oh, and like you said, talking over her. There was also, now that I'm like, you mm-hmm. know, on a roll, there was mm-hmm. another Ellen clip from after him and Brittany woke up. <laughs> broke up. So sorry. <laughs> um, and it was all a dream. Ellen was like, so like what happened with you and Brittany? Like are there cheating rumors true? And he like takes a sip of coffee like at that time and like refuses to say anything but like gives like a dodgy like glare at Ellen and it's just like it just like rubs me the wrong way Mm -hmm. like watching all of this stuff I'm like this poor fucking girl has been put through the ringer yep and for what like she broke up with her boyfriend when she was 19 like so has literally every other female in America so like 
get off your high horse, Justin Timberlake. I'm oh, sorry, God. but right. And it's like he just has to play the victim. <sighs> but anyway, cry so me a river, JT. Cry me a river. <laughs> Amen. And with that, Alex, take it away. Okay. Wow. When I was researching this, uh, this is like a side note kind of thing. It reminded me of um, Billy on the Street, an episode in 2015 when he had Jason Sudeikis on the show. Have you guys seen that clip when they're like, it's called Jason Sudeikis bros out with Billy on the Street? No. Oh, yes, yes, yes. I think I have. Yeah, so it's Jason and Billy and, like, some other random guys. Like, you know how they have, like, a posse, and they're all wearing, like, sports shirts and jerseys and baseball caps, and they talk, like, bros the entire time. And it's kind of confusing because, like, they are basically, like, showing, like, a representation of what a bro is and what, like, toxic masculinity is. Um, And also, one of their questions is related to Veep, which I thought you guys would think is fun. Um, Except not really because they're, like, they hold up, they go up to guys and they hold up a picture of the cast and they're like, who in the cast of Veep would you want to fuck? And one person called Julia Louis-Dreyfus obnoxious. (gasps) And Billy was like, no, okay, no, no, she's the best. But like, so in character. Yeah. And then um, Jason Sudeikis said that she's like the Dave Grohl of TV where she has two hits, like Seinfeld and Are you fucking kidding me? Veep. What? No, I just Wait, I don't Jason understand. Also, Davis? how dare you compare her to Dave Grohl? Just so Dave Grohl was in two famous bands, Nirvana and Foo Fighters. This is not who I was. So in this <laughs> totally, I thought I'm so sorry to Dave Grohl. Shout out to Dave Grohl. <laughs> I was confusing that with Josh Groban. I'm sorry. <laughs> Wait, what? <laughs> it's the gr- right. it's the Grot gr- in their last yeah. names. I'm okay. Sorry. <laughs> Okay, so but anyway, also, no offense to Jason Sudeikis, but like, what the fuck has he done that people know that like they wouldn't know Julia Louis Dreyfus? I can't. Was he being sarcastic? I really no, I think he, so. I think it was just like a bro response because he is like being a bro in this skit. But he was like, serious. I have no idea. Okay. But I mean, people do know who Nirvana is and who Foo Fighters. Except for Haley, but yeah. Um, But anyway, why I bring up this skit is because the very end, he goes up to a guy and he's like, bro, for a dollar, masculinity is a prison. And the guy's (laughs) like, true. And then they all just like go crazy. And they're like, yeah, it is a prison. Um, So I thought that was a fun little thing to just sprinkle into this episode. Alex has been Um, saying this. For years. For years. For literal years. Since 2015 when I saw it. I also think it's funny before I get into my uh, actual examples, but on Twitter and Instagram, I have been seeing so much about masculinity and toxic masculinity. So I just thought I would give you guys some of them. So one of them, which I think is important, is a quote from Saved by the Bell. And it's, did you guys watch that? That fucking show. I mean, everything they did was wrong, but I'm, let's hear it. So Zach Morris says, the crisis facing men is not the crisis of masculinity. It is the crisis of patriarchal masculinity. Until we make this distinction clear, men will continue to fear that any critique of patriarchy represents a threat. Oh, wow. Zach Morris? 
Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, know, right? I thought this I was going to be like when they did that stupid drunk driving episode and it was just like the, the worst acting ever. Where she gets addicted to caffeine pills. Oh my God. <laughs> oh my God. I'm so excited. <laughs> anyway, go on, go on. No, but I just think it's important because like I didn't want this episode to be like just a critique on like masculinity as a whole because like I don't that's think really that's nice the whole issue. Mm-hmm. I think, but what we are concentrating on is like the toxicity of like feeling like you have to be like trapped in this prison that is masculinity. Mm-hmm. I think that was important to say. And then also um, a fun one is on Twitter, I saw a tweet from a professor that was like, she asked her students for a positive representation of masculinity. And one of the students said, Kermit the Frog. Oh. <laughs> I don't. That's cute. Is he on? Is he on Sesame Street? No, Haley. He's a Muppet. <laughs> I fucking I hate the Muppets. I don't. I don't. I can't with you. I'm sorry, but that's really sweet that he found Ever something. Ever heard of Miss Piggy? I, I, ugh, I try not to. She has like to. a million Instagram followers, by the way. I'm sorry. What is the fascination <laughs> with Muppets? I don't know. I'm sorry, but I think that's really them, great but... that that kid could obviously understand. Yeah. Okay, so now I'll go into my actual examples. Those are just side notes. Um, So I am concentrating kind of on toxic masculinity in like in in rap, but it not in actual rap music, but more like the rappers and only two different rappers. Um, But there's so many examples and so many like lyrical examples and stuff where. Um, men are just like objectifying women and um, trying to, I don't know, paint this picture of their masculinity, which is quite fragile. Okay. So the first is Kanye West. Mm. In October of 2018, he had this weird meeting with then President Trump, which is just, ugh. and he discusses how he loves the red MAGA hat and how much it gives him power. Because he feels that he grew up with separated parents, and so he grew up with not a lot of male energy, and he also married into a family, the Kardashian family, Mm -hmm. which he says also doesn't have a lot of male energy, and that wearing the hat and having the hat basically gave him like that power and that feeling of male energy, which I think just makes little to no sense. Mm -hmm. And also he added that Hillary's campaign slogan, he said that he likes everyone, but her campaign slogan that was I'm with her didn't give him that feel of male energy. And he felt alienated as a male because he wasn't included in that slogan, which I just, I can't wrap my head around that. How, Mm -hmm. It's just, like, how that is affecting him, and that's why he can't get behind it. Right. What is like this male energy you. you crave? I- that is also what scares me is that so many people in this country, I mean, literally half the country, but, like, the men, the male voters, like, think about how many people that thought resonated with where they – maybe they had, like, an absence of a father figure or they craved that kind of like 
I don't know, confirmation of their masculinity, whatever it was. And that is why they thought Trump was the fucking coolest for whatever reason. And like, that's what kills me is that Kanye West said it. Maybe not a lot of men would say it, but that might be a reason for a lot of people who voted for him. Yeah. I yeah. Totally he he tried to preach this ideal that we could make America great again. And one, America was never great. But when people thought it was great, it was only great for white men. So it gave <laughs> them that sense of like, fuck yeah, masculinity's back. I mean, right. he's definitely a toxic white man. That mm-hmm. does remind me, Alex, yeah. of that Curb Your Enthusiasm episode where Larry <laughs> wears the MAGA hat to get people to avoid yeah. him. Mm-hmm. Love that. Episode. How Trump <laughs> tweeted. He's <laughs> like, love to see it. Oh, yeah. And then Larry David the was episode. like, fuck you. No. <laughs> <laughs> like, missed the point completely. Um, I also think that Kanye is an interesting example because he also is on the other side of the spectrum. He's on the receiving end of society's expectations for what a man is and like what they should be. Um, in the sense that he suffers from bipolar disorder and has had several public outbursts, as I'm pretty sure everyone knows. Mm -hmm. And all of them have been ridiculed online, which is pretty interesting because there's still obviously such a big stigma for mental health, but it's even worse for men who suffer from mental health issues. And it's just like he became a meme online and I don't know. I thought that was interesting that it's like someone so toxic in his own masculinity can also like suffer from it from people just like ridiculing him. Mm -hmm. I feel like struggles. I think there's so much stigma around like men being emotional and men like Mm -hmm. suppress like even you know how the New York Times parenting Instagram account has taught (laughs) me that like you're supposed to let your little kids boy or girl, like cry and let them know that like, it's okay to feel your feelings and like, let it out. And I think like adult males are afraid to feel those things because maybe in their childhoods, they were told like men don't cry or like boys don't. Right. The thing is that he wanted both sides of the coin somehow. He wanted to be a part of this group that cherished men being on top. But for the most part, the men that support Trump do not believe in men having emotions or feelings. Like it's Mm -hmm. crazy that he could want two things when they are so opposite of each other. Right. Well, I think that's also like the trade-off or like at the point where masculinity becomes toxic is like when you think that you have to be like devoid of all feelings and emotions and like things that just make you human just to fit the like, quote unquote like expectations of masculinity Mm -hmm. very interesting okay moving on from kanye my next example is rapper ti oh god here we go (laughs) with the birth control uh nope even worse oh um this starts basically in what i was gonna say i meant the hymen not the yeah But yes, okay. the hymen. Okay. Got it. Okay. Yeah. For the listeners. So, the um, spoiler alert, Chloe. So, this is about um, a discussion that he had on an like some kind of interview regarding his daughter Deja, where he 
said that basically he takes her to the doctor to check that her hymen is still intact um, as like a virginity testing. And obviously this is fucked up for multiple reasons. It's an invasion of privacy. It's scientifically inaccurate and like doesn't make any sense. Um, probably a violation of HIPAA. It's kind of confusing the timeline when this actually happened because when the interview took place, the daughter was 18 years old, um, but he has since gone on Red Table Talk and also like other interview platforms where he said that basically the whole thing was sensationalized and made to seem like a weird thing, but it wasn't, and that the daughter was 15 and 16 when she was taken for these tests and not 18, as if that made it any better. So he claimed that it was important to check that his daughter's virginity was still intact and her hymen was still there and whatnot because it was important that if basically if she were to get pregnant it would change the household dynamic essentially and i only say that it's odd because he made a point to say that like if his son who is essentially the same age if he were to have impregnated a girl at this time like basically their household wouldn't have been affected because for those nine months like the girl that he got pregnant would be living at her house so essentially it's important because his life could be affected and his house could be affected by having his pregnant daughter there should she be pregnant so that's just something else basically just holding on to this belief that men control and dominate the women in their lives and in society and just like treating his daughter like she's property and all of this is just to protect himself and his ego i think that was like the worst part like well first of all the trauma that this has on your actual child i can't imagine and the fact that you're talking about this on a public platform and you're famous and like your daughter's business does not need it. to be right right exactly um but all of this is just to protect himself and his own ego is just like the epitome of toxic masculinity, um, regardless how like his family and his daughter feels. When he went on Red Table Talk with Jada Pinkett Smith, this was like after the initial interview where he talked about this hymen testing. And he basically just like dug himself into an even deeper hole and just tried to stick up for himself rather than like actually apologize and like make the situation any better and he just said that the whole thing was a misunderstanding and sensationalized and he even said that he's being criticized because he's willing to go above and beyond to protect his own which is just so selfish and is missing the point completely and it's and like protecting one, oh, I, I mean, we could unpack this forever, but like, <laughs> what happened to protecting the mental well being of your child and right. the trust you're supposed to have with the relationship of your child? Like, he's only protecting himself and probably his money and probably like his privacy, et cetera. Like, there's right in no way that's protecting your child by controlling them. It's such an yeah. intimate part of their lives. Yeah. I agree. Jada Pinkett Smith also was talking about like how this is such like a patriarchal view on things and he didn't know what that 
meant. Like he didn't know the term was a term, whatever. And so she explained it to him. And he also stated that he believed that feminists just attempted to silence men, which is like, try to make everything more about you. Like he couldn't do it if he tried. Mm -hmm. Um, Some more dumb stuff that he's done. He claims that misogyny draws women in and that it like gives off pheromones that women are attracted to. And also the Hyman thing, did his daughter ever like, how, like how old is she? Has she ever like spoken out about this? Yeah. So she was, so she was allegedly like 15 or 16 when he would take her to these doctor appointments and also like he was there like it's weird to order this to be done it's weird to like make your daughter go through this it's weird to actually be at the appointment mom was there too i'm assuming he had to like force the doctor to give him the results of like this just that's like the hip violation yeah i know wrong like it is but also because she was underage i don't know how exactly that falls but she has spoken out about it like when the news broke like she was already 18 or 19 years old and she basically said that she was on twitter she saw that she had been mentioned in a tweet and all she saw was the word gynecologist and like her heart sank because she knew exactly what it was immediately and um she's i know she said that it has changed I think she was on vacation actually with her family, like with him when it happened. So it was awful because like she couldn't leave. She couldn't go anywhere. She was like in a house with them. And like since then her relationship with her father is like definitely different because I mean to actually have like go through this has to change your relationship with your parent because like of what they're forcing you to do. Mm-hmm. And then to also have them air it out in public Mm-hmm. That has to have affected it too. So I don't know how, how she feels embarrassing. now. About it, like, yeah, she probably knew the whole time that like this wasn't right. But to have the public know about it is just I cannot imagine. Right, and um, so I don't know exactly how many kids he has, but he definitely has Deja, who this is about. He has a son who's relatively the same age or maybe like a couple years younger. And he has another daughter that's like around this age. And then I think he has a younger daughter with Tiny, his current wife. And the daughters were talking about how like there's such a double standard between like how he treats like the daughters in the family compared to the son because the son is like known to be sexually active like at like 15 years old and like he just doesn't care about that whereas the daughter obviously he takes her to get these hymen checks at the doctor um and he's just like so much more controlling and possessive over them and like all this like just like even normal stuff like the boys will have girlfriends over and they could just like be fine and like in their room whatever but like the girls have boyfriends over and they're like forced to have talks with him for like hours on end about I don't know what just like as a way to like control the relationships that his daughter's in and they said that they um think that the youngest daughter is going to get it the worst probably so it's kind of so fucking sad and like yeah. have has our society not grown at all? Like hearing this sounds so archaic to me. Like yeah. 
I, I, like I think you would hear about this in like the 1600s and on. Like, how is this happening right now? Yeah, I don't know. It, yeah, it doesn't make sense. Um, he also said that he wouldn't vote for Hillary or any woman for president because women make <clears throat> rash decisions emotionally. Heard that one before. I'm sorry. Have you seen Donald Trump's Twitter that was banned? <laughs> Literally. I know. I don't understand that. Like, I've heard so many people say that, like, well, this is also, like, an archaic thinking. But people say, like, oh, women are too emotional to be president. It's like, well, every single president that we've ever had is an emotional male that just, like, does dumb affairs, shit. Starts wars. Yeah. yeah. Just bombs everywhere. For what? For your emotions. Okay. So I just looked this up, and he was 16 when he had his first child. And I kind of feel like that plays a huge role in his need to control. Mm -hmm. Probably. Not that that justifies it, but. Yeah, no, but I know what you're saying. I'm also not trying to be negative here, but when I hear his logic behind it like is there any coming back for him is there any way that someone could talk sense into him like it he sounds like a lost cause to me i don't know yeah i don't know um and also one last thing was that he said in another interview that spending time with your daughters he referred to that as thought prevention hours what does that mean like doing things with your daughters is basically a way to like make sure they don't end up like a stripper or maybe like a teen mom or like whatever, like whatever a thought is. I don't know. Just like, Oh my God. I thought you meant, do you thought as in brain or T H O T thought. Oh my God. I thought you meant thought pre- prevent her from being a he thought. He doesn't want them to think like I didn't get it. Got it. Mm-hmm. <laughs> thought prevention. <hours>. Thought prevention. <laughs> yeah. So that was interesting as well. It's like, no, like you could spend all the time in the world with your daughter and she's still going to grow up to be whoever the fuck she wants to be. So, and also this is all just even worse with the recent allegations against him and his wife from like over two dozen people, two dozen women saying that they were pressured by T.I. and Tiny, his wife, to like take drugs, take off their clothes, like they were sexually assaulted by them. Oh, I did not hear about this. Mm -hmm. That all came out recently, like in the last month or so. So, um, basically, he's trash. Everything that he thinks and says and does is just trash. And, um, yeah, I think he pretty much is, like, a poster boy for toxic masculinity. That is horrifying. Yeah. Um, I have no words. That is just, like, it's just, like, it's unhealthy. It's controlling. It's, like manipulative i just i know i can't imagine growing up in that situation and being any better off i think there's no way that that benefits especially your child or anyone around you with every aspect it seems like it's like boys versus girls like there's no way that those girls feel as loved 
supported, whatever, as respected, respected. Like, I don't understand. Like, I don't understand how you could come out of that. Now, after hearing all of those allegations on top of it, like, I just don't think there's any coming back from him. He sounds like he's grown up with this kind of ignorance. Like, right. Yeah, I think it definitely, like, stems from, like, probably his upbringing and being in a similar environment where it's, Mm -hmm. like, so toxic for women. And, like, I think it does come into play. Like, Chloe said that he had a child so young. Mm -hmm. Um, But I, I don't know if there's any coming back from it because, like, we live in a day and age that it's all talked about now. Like, maybe 15 years ago when he still had these same thoughts like okay I'll give you the benefit of the doubt that like you just like don't know it's so wrong Mm -hmm. and so backwards to think like this but like currently there's really no excuse like you have multiple people reaching out and being like um hey what the fuck yep so I don't know it's just so disappointing I know I really like that you focused on women though thank you so much I I knew that it was, like, mostly based on feminism, but it was also, like, men becoming successful because of women. Right. Yeah. Thanks so much for listening to Episode 6 of Jot That Down. Make sure to follow us on Instagram at Jot That Down Pod. That's J-O-T, that down, P-O-D.